Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your giving. Thank you, worship team. Those watching online, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. We so appreciate uh, the fact that you tune in. And uh, like I said, today is the last week of our core four. So we talked about worship. We talked about word. We talked about prayer. This week we'll talk about community. Community is uh, really important. I'm from a large family or a fairly large family. I'm the youngest of eight. And uh, we always had community. Our, our brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters, our parents did a great job. We always got along. Uh, we always just looked out for each other. Uh, we still have a group text. We text, you know, maybe once or twice a week or whatever. It's just really good. Uh, people call, check on each other. That's community. And that's how the church community should operate. Okay. And so it's not about Catholics or Methodists or Pentecostals or Baptists or Independent or Charismatic or Evangelicals or uh, Episcopalians or Presbyterians. It's all about if we're Christ followers or not. Amen? And we have to understand that following Christ gets us all in the same family. Now, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not as tall as my brothers are. I got less hair than, than my brothers, so we may look a little differently. We may act a little differently sometimes, but we're all in this family together. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the power of community and the power of just being together with one another and the power of, of how these things will uh, look and walk through. The Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and truth, okay? And we've said this for probably five years around here. Grace opens the door so that truth could be taught. Now, truth is a level of faith. It's what we experience. It's what we accept, okay? It's how we interpret. In fact, Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But grace is for all people, right? That, that's the, when I say grace is, great, for by grace are you saved through faith. So we're, we're saved by the grace. It's unmerited favor. It's a free gift. And so we have to understand and know that as well, because then when Jesus accepts us just the way we are through his grace, and then he's able to teach us. He's able to teach us through that truth. Now, there's four enemies, as far as I can tell, to truth. And we have a, we have a screen up there of the four enemies, fear, shame, anger, and isolation. And so as you try to create community, maybe in your home, maybe you're a young parent, or in your neighborhood, maybe you're a seasoned adult, or as a Christ follower, maybe you're trying to start a small group, or you're, you're just coming to church, there is four enemies that people will battle through uh, that, that are enemy to, to truth as we know it. And so first one is fear. Well, fear is, there's, there could be healthy fears. There could be fears that, you know, maybe fear of uh, driving too fast or getting an accident, fear of maybe catching, you know, a, a COVID or a cold or the flu. So you make uh, proper precautions. But I'm talking about a fear here that's a fear of uh, just anything. You know, there's anxiety and there's things that come upon us that we just we're we're we're, uh, we're fearful and we walk in these fears and the problem with fear then is it's, it's taking something that we can't control and we want to control it we want to be the person that then uh you know understands and, and tries to, to tries to move forward but fear doesn't allow us fear captivates us fear cripples us fear is a stronghold in our life and so we have to be mindful of fear we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more later on in the scripture next one is shame 
Uh, maybe, you know, we, first of all, we, we all have a past. We all have things in our past that the enemy would want to shame us over. But listen, Jesus isn't as concerned about your past as he is about your future, all right? He's a God of the present. He's a God of the future. He's a God that changes not, where the enemy will keep creeping up and say, yeah, but you did this, or you did that, or you're this way. And maybe even some of you were this way coming to church today. I want to tell you right now, you can be free in Christ Jesus, amen? You don't have to have the shame that the enemy and the world wants to shame you the world wants to shame the person you are the world the world may want to shame you for going to church the world may want to shame you for dot 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 you fill in the blank and then there at least the anger and so anger is the enemy of truth as well because our righteousness isn't found in ourselves our righteousness is found in Christ Jesus, okay? And so sometimes, and again, I'm not talking about a righteous indignation. I'm not talking about being angry. But Paul said be angry, but sin not. So I'm not talking about being angry like at the devil. I'm not talking about being angry at, at a situation. Oh, I'm just tired of it. That maybe drives you to prayer. I'm talking about rage. I'm talking about anger that causes you to blow up or lose your temper or do those type of things. These are enemies of truth because the truth will, will set us free in this realm that allows us to walk in the grace that God gives us. And when we walk in grace that God gives us, we can start to walk differently. The fourth one, the one I'm going to talk about early on, we'll circle back around to these, is isolation. It's the whole divide and conquer theory that the enemy uses. If he can move you out, if he can get you to, to thinking that no one loves you or no one likes you or no one cares about you, if he can get you to remove out from community and isolate you, well, then he starts to pick on you. See, we draw strength from each other. Jesus even said, where two or three shall gather together in his name, there will he be in the middle of us. And so we're gathered together in the name of Jesus. His presence is here today. And where his presence is, is his power. And where his power, there becomes miracles of healing and deliverance and salvation and freedom. So we're going to talk about community. We're going to talk about how Jesus built his community of believers that he entrusted so much that he gave over the gospel so that they could preach it. And we're still preaching it some 2,000 years later. So let's go to Luke's gospel, the sixth chapter. We're going to read 12 through 16. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, or James the Lesser, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, thank you for community. We thank you, Lord, that as we are Christ followers, we become part of the family of God. We thank you for that family. We thank you, Lord, that we are your sons and daughters, sons of the King. Father, Lord, we pray today, Lord, that if there's anybody here that doesn't feel like they're part of the community of Christ, they would receive the fact that you also died for them. And let us be community one for another, Father, Lord, as we walk through this day. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Praise God. So we're part of the community of believers. We're, we're part of this community. Now, I like that verse 12. Can we show it one more time? Verse 12, and in these days he went out to the mountain, this, he is Jesus, to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. I like the fact that we know that Jesus liked to pray, and I believe in the scriptures, so I believe that he did pray all night. Sometimes, maybe you do the same thing. When, I'm, when I go to pray, I have to have a notepad 
and a pen with me because every time I go to pray, something will pop in my mind. Well, I, you need to make sure you call this person or you need to make sure you text this person or maybe Janie needs me to pick something up on the way home and, and I'll, I'll write it down so that these hindering things or maybe you're in church and right now you've already thought, well, where are we going to eat after service? Man, I'm really hungry. I, I hope the message isn't real long. I just, I need to, I'm hungry. I, I want to get to, you know, the buffet line before all the Baptist people do and, and so... <laughs> I, I, you know, maybe the place down the street. I, I, you, we start to think, of, oh, I got to get up early tomorrow. I got that special meeting or this or that. We go, these things go to our mind. But I have to believe that when the Bible says that Jesus went to the mountain and prayed, he prayed all night to God. Do you believe that? I mean, I believe that he prayed all night. I believe there was a, a, there was a reason for it. And the reason he prayed was so that he could name these disciples. We won't go through them again, but I'm going to give you an idea of what these disciples look like. Now, Jesus prayed all night and this is what he came up with he came up with peter andrew james and john and they were small business owners they were fishermen they were commercial fishermen in fact they weren't real successful commercial fishermen they were looking in fact the day that he called them they came in and hadn't caught anything and jesus said can i use your boat and then he said, yeah. And so he went out to sea a little bit. And then he, he started talking back to the, to the people because the way the wind was, it was like a, a natural amphitheater, a natural microphone. So he's talking to the people. He's preaching the good news after he got done because uh, Jesus was this way. If he ever used anything of anybody's or if he ever uses you or anything of yours, he will press down good measure and give it back to you. And so he tells uh, Peter and Andrew, hey, why don't you press that a little bit further? Let's, let's move out. And Peter's like, man, Lord, because they knew who Jesus was. They just weren't direct followers. We're fishermen, Lord. We've fished all night. We haven't caught anything. Well, Peter, would you just go out a little bit for, further? And this is kind of the crux of community. And maybe a, a point you want to take home today is that whatever you're doing now, if it's not working, maybe you need to do something else. Or maybe you just need to press in a little bit more. Maybe church just on Sundays isn't good enough. Maybe church on Sundays where you're like radical worship or maybe joining a small group or maybe joining in the prayer and fasting or maybe joining a ministry team or maybe just getting to the point where, hey, I'm not just going to go to church because it's my weekly obligation or my weekly duty. I'm going to go to church just so I can worship God and watch some people get set free. I'm going to go to church just so I, so he's asking Peter, go ahead and push out a little bit further. Peter pushes out a little bit further. And, and then, you know, if you're, if you're fishing and you're fishing with nets like Peter and, and Andrew would have been, you're going to pick up some seaweed, you're going to pick up some driftwood, you're going to pick up some trash and garbage. And so they fished all night long. They were separating all these things from their net. Finally, they got their net all folded and Jesus said, hey, throw your net out again. It's like, oh, Lord, I don't want to throw my net out again. I just got it all clean. It took us a while to get it clean. We got the tackle boxes all ready back in. He said, just throw it out on the other side. And you know the story. It's Luke, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 11. They throw it out on the other side, and the catch is so big that the boat starts to sink, and they have to call Andrew, or they have to call James and John to come and help them. It's the second time, or this is the first time, but there's two times in Scripture where Jesus tells, especially Peter, throw your net on the other side. Go ahead, try something a little bit different. That's a word maybe for somebody here today. Maybe you just need to try something just a little bit different. Maybe you need to, to, to maybe you're, again, you're following Christ, but you're not reading your Bible every day. Or you're reading your Bible, but you're not really studying it. You're studying it, but you're not engaging in worship. Or you're, you're worshiping, but maybe it's only certain, to certain songs that you really like. By the way, great songs today. 
today. Those are just, a, those are impactful and, and amazing. And, and I, I love, I just love it. And the last song is, is killer too. I know because I, I was in the first service. Unbelievable. What? Peter and Andrew and James and John were small business owners, and our church is full of small business owners, and yet small business owners have, like, they have the weight of the world on their, their shoulders. They're, they're the small business owner. Like, the, the, the hired person, they might be in the car at a certain time and driving down the street, but if something comes up, you know, it's the business owners that's got to go do it, or it's the business owner that doesn't mind making the, the sale at the end of the day, or maybe waiting until uh, even just past 5 o'clock. I, I have and probably you have too, knocked on doors of, of businesses wanting to make a, a sale. Like there'd be something in the window that Janie would want to buy and like they right then they flip the clothes sign. Well, you know that's not the business owner. The business owner is going to make that sale. It's a, that's a hireling. That's a person. And so these guys were business owners, but because they were business owners and they were paying taxes and they were doing all these things, they were somewhat frustrated. And then when business isn't good, like when a small business owner goes on vacation sometimes, then they're not getting a check that week. It's like I, I go on vacation. Okay, that's good. But when they come back, it's, you know, there's not the normal salary that takes place. Well, these guys were part of Jesus's community. Let me read you a couple more. Matthew was a tax collector, so he automatically didn't get along with Peter and Andrew and James John. It'd be like a state auditor showing up at your business or something, you know, someone just coming and saying, hey, I want to make sure that you're paying your taxes right and all that. Matthew was that guy. In fact, Matthew was a Jewish guy working for the Roman government, so nobody liked him. He was absolutely hated by everybody because the tax collectors would take money and then they would take money off the top. They would give to the Romans, and then that's how they got rich. In fact, you know, Zacchaeus was a tax collector too, and he said, I'll give back four times what I stole from other people. Matthew was not like, but this is Matthew that wrote the gospel of Matthew. He was a, an apostle. He was a disciple. Nathaniel was a skeptic. He, he, he didn't believe anybody in it. Jesus calls this guy like, if I'm in a room and I call 12 people, I want people on the same page as me. I don't want them doubting me. Tom, Thomas was a doubter. Thomas didn't know if Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to go to a place and prepare for you. And Thomas is like, where's that place at? I need to see it. And Jesus is like, you're not going to see it. You're going to see it one day, but you're not going to see it right now. And then Jesus says, hey, tonight's the night I die. And Thomas says, hey, if you die, we die. Well, we know how that worked out. Thomas was long gone. And then when the other 10, Judas hanged himself, the other 10 saw Jesus' hands and feet and side. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas said, unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe that it's the Lord. So he was a doubter. This is the type of team member. This is the community member that Jesus wanted on his team. He wanted a skeptic. He wanted a tax collector. He wanted a doubter. He wanted four business owners that, that really weren't happy with the way things were working out. Philip was a loner. In fact, the Bible says that Phil, Jesus saw Philip underneath the tree. And he tells Philip the story. And Philip's like, man, i got to follow you. If you saw me underneath that tree, this was prophetically, by the way. And Jesus says, well, if this is why you're going to follow me, you're going to see much, much greater things, Philip, than what, I, what I've showed you by telling you I've seen you underneath the tree. But he was alone, or he was all alone. James the Lesser. How would you like to be called the Lesser? <laughs> like, yeah, Mark the Lesser. Mark the not good enough. Mark the not quite there. Mark the didn't make six-foot range. I mean... I don't, all my brothers are 6'2 or taller. Mark, he, Mark, he didn't make six foot. 
Poor guy. It, Mark, James the Lesser. How would you like James the Lesser? He was obscure. He did like that nobody knows, but this is the guy, Jesus, Jesus this like James is the Lesser is the guy that always got picked last when you were picking teams on the playground in grade school. Well, if I got to take him. He ain't no good, but I'll take him. <laughs> but Jesus picks him for one of his 12. Think, church, think about this. this is the community of believers. Simon was a religious zealot and anti-government activist. In other words, he fits in 2022 really good. Anti-everything. Mad at the world. You're not going to tell me. And yet he's got to work with the tax collector. <laughs> He's got to work with the haters. He's got, this is the type of team Jesus is building. And then Thaddeus is tenderhearted. Well, you need one mushy guy in there. We went to a movie the other day. I bawled like a baby. Jenny said, are you crying? I didn't even, I didn't fake it. I said, yes, I am. It was a good story about redemption. I said, and everybody should be crying, you cold-hearted person. <laughs> there wasn't a tear coming down her eye, not one. My eyes are puffy. My eyes puff anyways. My whole face was puffing up. Like, this is such a beautiful story. She, you know, she always makes fun of me whenever I... You need a tenderhearted person in your life. If you're not that person, you need one. She is not that person. That's why God put me in her life. She is heartless. <laughs> I mean, she's got a heart. She just don't... There's no tears that come out of that body. And then, of course, <laughs> you, you don't... I, I try to make you cry sometimes. You don't cry. No, every now and then. And then Judas was a traitor, a cheater, a liar, a thief. This is the, now think about that scripture for a moment, uh, church. Jesus prayed all night long, and this is what he came up with. Now, he sits at the right hand of the Almighty, and you don't think you're qualified to be a Christ follower? When he picked those guys? You are every bit qualified to be a Christ follower. If you just said the words, Jesus, I want to follow you. Would you forgive me of my sins? See, the church world for so long is pre-qualified people that it wants to let in the doors. It's pre-qualified people. If you do this, if you do that, if you do this, if you do that, to the point where then people, if they do it, they have to do it in, in quiet. They have to do it in secret. Why? Because they're not accepted over here. Well, that person's really good, but they do this or they do that. And all we need to know is that Jesus is full of grace and truth. And if we allow Jesus' grace in our life, he will teach us his truth. And this is what he did in the community of his believers that then he set off into the world. And they preached the gospel because they preached the gospel. They won then all of us, and we can continue to preach the gospel. I got a, one screen up there you might want to take a picture of. It's the six things that a community, and there's probably more, but there's six things right here that a community should be a part of. In other words, a community should be inclusive. It shouldn't be us four and no more. It shouldn't be a community where we pre-qualify people. If, listen, if you want to come to Grace Church, you need to be able to come to Grace Church. Amen? You, and listen, and, and, and Grace Church, I say, I'll say it again, I've said it, it's for all people, and all we have to do is say, Lord, if you change what needs to be changed in me. That's all I want to do. I want to be changed as you want to change me, God. But we need to be inclusive. If we're not inclusive, then it's, look at the people that Jesus got. He got a tax collector. He got an anti-government. He got a religious zealot. He got business owners. He got a loner. He got a skeptic. He got a doubter. He got all these 
these people and he started to mold them together. And yes, sometimes they didn't get along. Some churches aren't going to get along all the time, but we have to be a community of believers together. They were also diverse. A good community is always diverse. If we look around and we really are looking at each other and seeing the same thing, that we need to get busy in the kingdom of God. We need to look like our community. If our community is 27% minority, we need to be at least 27% minority in our community. We need to start reaching out into people groups that maybe don't think they're accepted by the church world so that we can, not so that we can be diverse, but so that we can look like the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is going to look different when we get up in there. It also needs to be authentic. In other words, we need to practice what James says in the fifth chapter, confess our faults one to another. And the church world doesn't do that because there's always the gossip line. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? I mean, well, we need to pray. And then we have, we need to pray for him. But we're really gossiping about that person. Authentic Christianity, being an authentic follower of Christ, is me being comfortable to picking out one or two men in this church and saying, hey, would you pray with me, man? I've got to, I'm going through, I'm just going through some junk right now. All right? And so the same thing with a woman. One or two women picking out somebody and saying, hey, would you, would you pray with me? Or can we, can we pray together? Confess your faults one to another what, so that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman, it avails much. So God has given us community to be able to pray with each other, to be able to believe in each other. Sympathetic. There's a little bit difference between being sympathetic and empathetic. Sympathetic is you see somebody's situation and, and, and you hurt for them. Empathetic is you see somebody's situation and you hurt also because you've gone through that same situation. So I, I feel for anybody who's lost anybody during COVID because of what my wife and her family and other families have gone through. Dear Lord, I, I pray for them daily. I'm imp I empathize with them or I, I sympathize with them. The church needs to be sympathetic to people who are less than. James, the less than. That the world would think they're less than. The church needs to not look at people like they're less than. And then merciful. And this is, again, why our church is named Grace. Grace is receiving something that you didn't earn, unmerited favor. So grace is me receiving something that I did not earn. Mercy is me not getting what I did earn. All the falls and failures in my life that I should be punished for, mercy comes down and I don't, I don't, I don't get that anymore. And grace comes in and says, man, I, I, am now, uh, I am now considered the righteousness of God because Jehovah's sick and knew his blood covers me. And then humble. I, I, I love humble people. I love, and I, I strive to be humble. I know I, I, Janie will tell you, I fail miserably probably more times than not, but I love when I see people's humility, and I love people walk in that humility, and I, and I think, I, man, I want to bless them. Can you imagine how God wants to bless a humble spirit? Just, I mean, Moses was so humble, he said he was the most humble person in the world at that time. That doesn't make sense, but he was so humble he could say that. And we know Jesus was the most humble. Jesus left the throne room of heaven and came to earth and lived and died on a cross and was buried and rose again because through his humility, he loved each and every one of us. Now think about that for a second. In a community of believers or in a community like Hickory or a community where you live or a community where, oh, in one of these outlying areas, 
We need to walk in this humility that says, hey, I'm forgiven, but I, I didn't earn it. The only thing I did was ask for it. And it's the same way in every church in the world today that we should walk together saying, I didn't earn anything. All I did was ask for it. Because I asked for it, then I received it. Because I received it, that allowed me to become a part of the community of believers. It's not because I am a certain denomination that I'm allowed to speak in a prayer language or a certain denomination that I'm allowed to go to heaven or a certain denomination that I'm allowed to do these. It's because we are in the community of together that we love Jesus Christ and because we love Jesus Christ now we can we can live for him there's this community there's another small uh, community of believers I want to talk about today just another example four guys uh, in second Kings we'll read that in just a second to kind of give you the backstory Elisha is prophesying, and he's telling the guy that the bread's going to be real low and the meat's going to be real low, and the fact is the problem is uh, that this guy's not going to see because of his unbelief. And so it, it's really a, it's a, it's a true, I believe it's a true story, uh, and it's a story Scripture records, but it's also a parallel of the church world today in the community of saying, hey, I, I, I think I know a way that we can get there, but, it, but we need to make sure that we're, that we're on the same page. And so let's go to 2 Kings, the 7th chapter, read 4, 5, and 6. And the Bible says, and again, this is Elisha prophesying the first couple verses. And now these four lepers, and if, you don't, if you're not familiar with leprosy, it's a real contagious of the day, a real contagious skin disorder that was like a, a flesh-eating bacteria. And it was transferable, uh, really similar to like COVID today, where if someone's sneezed or touched you or if you were too close or lied in the same bed or sat on the same sofa, whatever, that you could contract this disease. So the lepers had to live outside of town. They had to live in isolation, okay? And they were mad. They were angry. They, they were shameful. They were all that box that we were talking about. We'll go back to that box in a second. So these four lepers, which uh, they're lame and they're blind, they're, they're struggling, they're talking to each other. And one says, hey, if we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there and if we sit here we're also going to die so like we're going to die there or we're going to die there so now come let us go over to the camp of the Syrians if they spare our lives we shall live and if they kill us well we're going to die anyway so they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians but when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians behold there was there was no one there why? For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses and the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. You can come on back, worship team, and someone can come and grab this for me. Let's put that screen back up there with the four uh, enemies of truth. So fear and shame and anger and isolation and all these things that maybe we go through. Maybe even you might be going through some of those today or maybe a, a church goes through them even or a person goes through them and we feel fearful or we feel ashamed or, man, I'm just I'm mad at society. I'm mad at the world. Maybe because a, a loved one did die or something or I, I need to isolate myself because I just I can't trust anybody. And that's really what isolation is. But in this realm, these four lepers, they were living this. Again, they were isolated. They couldn't be part. There was leper colonies outside of town. 
Okay, so if it was modern day, there would be a, a place where these people had to live. They could, nobody could go visit them. Nobody could talk to them because this was so contagious. They walked in a bunch of shame because they, they didn't plan on getting this leprosy. They don't even know how they got it, but they're living in shame because they're isolation. They're fearful because when they, whenever they had to, uh, someone would approach them, they had to yell, unclean, 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 like, don't come near me, I'm, I'm not clean, you can't, you can't come here. And then that alone, all those things would make you mad, would make you angry, would make you depressed, would make you give up, would make you anxious, would have anxiety. All these emotions are going through. But I want to show you just a second how you can flip the script. So we have what fear, have another uh, frame that would go over that one. So our fear then could be turned into faith and our shame could be turned into faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Can you say amen? And so if I'm walking in fear, I just need to get more God in me. I need to get more Bible in me. I need to get, come to church more often. I need to get more preaching. We have people in this auditorium that hear maybe 20 or 30 messages a week. They're just getting the word of God in them. You know there's no fear in their life. Why is that? Because God is building that faith up in them. Shame goes to freedom because Jesus said in John 8, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so you have, you have no shame. Listen, other people will try to shame you, but you have no shame in Christ Jesus. And that's all who matters anyway. And then there's the anger, okay? Well, he, he'll make our, he, he makes our mourning turn to dancing, okay? He gives us joy. And the reason the enemy wants you to be angry and mad is because he steals your joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so if I'm joyful, if you're around joyful people, it's like, wow, it's a, it's a breath of fresh air. And then, of course, this community. So these four lepers are living this thing, and yet something really critical happens at, at, that, at that one moment. It's when they decide to stand up and they decide to walk forward. Go ahead and give me a big, They start walking forward. Now, l l listen to that for a second. They start walking forward, church, and all of a sudden... The Bible says that in the ears of the Syrian camp, there was like horses traveling through the sky. There were chariots that they, the men were shouting and yelling, okay? And so that when these four lepers, four lepers that a 12-year-old girl could have beat up, all right, they're walking towards the camp. The Syrian camp just got, they, they left. Why did it? Because when you step up in faith, stand with me right where you're at. When you decide, I'm going to stand up in faith. I'm going to walk this thing out. That, 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 that's not what the enemy sees. What the enemy sees is a cross that was empty with a redeemer that came off of it and died and was rose again. He sees an empty cross and all of a sudden you say, I accept that blood of Jesus Christ over my sins today. And that fear becomes faith because now I know where I'm going. Oh, somebody needs to give the Lord a shout of praise. He is worthy to be praised in this place. See, we start, we get mad and we get angry, but the way to offset is that, and so they just start walking. And when they're walking and they're walking and they're walking and they're going to the camp, they have no idea what's happening in the heavenlies. None whatsoever. They just know they're walking to camp. And their words are, if we die, we die. If, if we live, we live. But 
at least this way we know we're something. You might be part of something right now that's an epic failure, and all you have to do is be like Peter. Jesus said, press out a little bit further, Peter. Throw your nets on the other side just a little bit, Peter. You might just be that person that says, wait a second, I, I, I don't know what to do, and fear starts to grab a hold of you, but as fear grabs a hold of you, you start to walk out in faith. I said, my dad's got cancer. Fear can grip me. No, I'm going to step out in faith. And all of a sudden, all of heaven is starting to sing and dance over you. My mom is getting, going through a sickness. My family's going through a divorce. My, my brother lost his job. Whatever the case may be, no, fear's not going to grip me, okay? And I'm not going to walk in the shame of what I used to be because now I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. You see, I don't, I don't have to go by how you were or how I was. People will say it all the time to Janie. Well, I remember you when you were 14. Well, yes, she ain't 14 anymore. She's a full-grown adult, a spiritual woman, a matriarch of this church who loves Jesus and can praise God and pray an army down from heaven. See, it doesn't matter the shame that you had. It's the freedom that you have right now. And the enemy wants us to fight against each other and get angry. But if you step out and say, I want to just be a peacemaker. I just want to preach the love of Jesus Christ. I just want to preach life to everybody. All of a sudden, the heavenlies are starting to rock. Like that beat right there. Like the organ sound. Like the tambourine. And you, you just make, you're just making one move. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to stand up. I'm just going to stand and move towards Jesus. And all of a sudden, every devil in hell starts to shake. Every demonic power that has any control over you says, wait a second, those guys might mean some business down there. I'm not sure. I think we should just run. Resist the devil and he must flee. How do you resist the devil? You stand up in faith. Throw your hands up towards Jesus if you're comfortable doing so. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to sing the song rattle. I want you to ask the Lord, is there any fear in my life? Lord, would you let it be gone in Jesus? And you either you can take a physical step forward or you can take a metaphorical spiritual step forward. But I want you to step forward in the spirit realm and say, God, no more is that shame going to be on my life. No more is that anger going to be on my life. No more is that fear going to be on my life. No more is that isolation going to be on my life. God, I'm going to live for you today and for every day. And Lord, as I do, you're going to have a sound of a rushing man coming from heaven to meet my every need exactly where I am. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Let's worship together.
like they start beating the drum, they start making some music, they start walking in and they're taking their city and sometimes we just got to do that, we got to lay a stroke on the enemy and you think you're just clapping but you're really not clapping. You're beaten to the rhythm of heaven and you're saying, you know what? I'm not going to be defeated. I'm taking back what the enemy stole. I'm going to speak to my dry bones. I'm going to speak to dead situations. I'm going to speak to things in my life that maybe they're just not the way you need them to be. And you can say, no, I'm going to speak to that situation. My child is coming home. My child is being set free. You can declare those things because God has given you the power. He has given you the authority to do that. Amen. Wasn't that just a great word? Amen. Wow. Yeah. So do that this week. Take those those pictures and those words and use those and, and watch and see what God has for you. Amen. Don't forget to sign up, girls, as you leave for the, the Galentine party. It's only for girls. That's why it says Galentine. Okay, just making sure. Only girls. So... It's going to be a great time of fellowship, so I want to see you, see you there. We can have a good time. So um, I don't think we got a lot going on this week. Thank you for the prayer and fasting all last week. We finished that, so there won't be any Wednesday. So um, we love you, and we, we um, just we pray for you. Father, we love you, and we bless you. We thank you that you are so good. You are so amazing. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that it is life, that it brings life, it brings healing. So we bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody needs prayer this morning, we have prayer team ready to pray with you. So just step out of your seat and come on up, and they'll love to pray with you about anything or for someone else. So come on up if you want prayer. Love you. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.